Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And happy good afternoon to everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. We're ready to go on the Super Talk Radio Network online, wherever you're tuned in. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you here with us this afternoon. Opening segment, as it is every day, is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue. Great supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and good friends of ours. A great place for you to enjoy a great meal. Over the weekend, we're broadcasting today from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob and Kelly, uh, myself and Kelly here in Hattiesburg. Luke and Laurel, we're glad to have you with us this afternoon. Uh, there is an eSport athletic team, I guess we can say, at Southern Miss, and they're doing very, very well nationally. We're going to be talking to some of those guys a little later in the show. Also, of course, we'll preview tonight's uh, upcoming game with 11th-ranked Southern Miss down in uh, Miami at Florida International and uh, Luke will have all the uh, breakdown on that. But first, we want to bring a guest on the show. Martin Hankins is the Lamar County Circuit Clerk. He's a former quarterback at the University of Memphis and uh, a local guy, and uh, we're glad to have him. Uh, the USFL, and we've talked a good bit about that, starts this weekend. Uh, a great friend of this show, Larry Fedora, coaching uh, the New Orleans Breakers, and uh, we're excited about uh, watching Coach Fedora back in action. Well, Mr. Hankins is an official in the USFL, and we'll be calling some of the opening games uh, this weekend. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. Bob uh, thanks for having me, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invite from Kelly, and uh, looking forward to being here and discussing some USFL football with you guys today. Well, I'm really curious about this. We've really been following this uh, largely because of Coach Fedora, but uh, very interesting, and there's some different rules and I know there's some different rules involving extra points. and th- Can you kind of briefly tell us what will be the biggest differences we'll see? Yeah, so so for extra points, uh, you technically uh, – you can go for three points from the 15-yard line. Okay? I'm sorry, from the 10-yard line. You can go for two points from the two-yard line, or you can go for one point from the 15-yard line. Which is the, the standard kick like we know in the NFL. <clears throat> That's correct. So you have your traditional one- and two-point play. Uh, the only difference now is you have a three-point play from the 10-yard line. Right. That's, so that adds really kind of some excitement and, and maybe lessens the chances of these overtime situations. That's correct. So so you have that aspect of it. Uh, you also have the aspect of it of uh, instead of having an onside kick, you can, you can go for a fourth and 12 play from the 33-yard line. Okay. So technically you could be down by 18 points with less than five minutes in a game where normally – uh, that would be a three-possession game in a football game, right. but technically it's only a two-possession right. game. Obvious question, uh, and you, you've you explained it to me, but I'd like for you to let our listeners know. It's interesting. When you finished uh, playing football in college, you moved back home, and you said you started really in youth sports officiating 
have now worked your way up to the USFL. Yeah, sure did. So I uh, my my first year in, I joined the local uh, high school association here, uh, and a lot of those guys at the time, you know, the Ronnie Kalsers, the Larry Browns, all those guys, and I I started doing some junior high, middle school stuff and JV just at our local areas here. Uh, but there was also a guy by the name of M.L. Pittman who was over the Youth Football League, and um, I, I kind of hooked up through him, and I would work youth football games. I did that for first two years, uh, and so I did that, moved on, uh, finally started working some high school games, then got into Mississippi JUCO and D3 and D2 and D1 and worked. Uh, got in the Sun Belt, was the first um, – uh, as a as an active official, spent one year there, uh, and I just finished my sixth season in the SEC uh, and got hired in the USFL this spring to work their games. All so. right. Now, Luke, I understand that this man is the reason that you had to postpone your uh, proposal to your now wife. So here's your chance to get your revenge. <laughs> November 19th, 2005. It was a beautiful night in the rock. Friends and family all gathered, everyone knowing what was going to happen except Lauren Johnson. Luke Johnson that night proceeded to punt the ball five times for a 47.6-yard average, kicked six touchbacks, and threw a pass for 14 yards. The only thing I didn't do that was uh, good that night, I kicked an onside kick with 50 seconds to go. We did not get it. Memphis beats us 24-22, and unbeknownst to Lauren, everybody else was disappointed because the real reason – my family and friends that night came was to watch me propose after the game. We had to push it to Tulane next week. So, Martin, uh, thanks a lot. Who buddy. was the I quarterback in uh, Memphis? That well, I, 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 look, that was just what I was telling Kelly Lee. <clears throat> that was my red shirt year. So, that was the year I transferred from Southeastern to Memphis. So, I was not actually the starting quarterback that night. Maurice Avery, <laughs> so, right? Maurice Avery. So, yeah. you can't directly blame me for that. If we're going to blame anybody, it was D'Angelo. D'Angelo Williams went for like uh, a buck 20 that night. Yeah. What people don't know is he was falling down in the holes, like running up the middle. He broke some on the outside. And Travis Coley, our hard-hitting safety, he ran up to D'Angelo. He's like, come on, dude, hit. Hit and D'Angelo goes, two more games, baby. Then I'm going to the league. <laughs> Absolutely, he was a smart man, right? I mean, he knew uh, he knew those legs and that body was worth a lot of money, and it was right. I think um, he, he finished with 11 or 12 years, but uh, I don't really hold that against y'all. It yeah, was a, it was I, a good game. I appreciate night. it. But, Great game. Um, one one thing that we talk a lot about, you know, with officiating, is this kind of how we've gone into targeting and what's targeting. Um, you're off the clock right now, and so if you can't officially comment, still off the clock, fine. But it seems as if like college people that are serious about college football want there to be some type of you know warning before a kid who fits up, or if an offensive player initiates contact and the defensive player goes home with the helmet. I mean, the kid's gone after you know maybe a couple minutes of a ball game. Should we reconsider you know inserting a um, a minimal, you know, a warning penalty, and then the second infraction be an ejection. You know, and as a as a player, I hear what you're saying. I do, uh, and and I do. I, I don't know when we'll get to that point of them looking at it. I don't know if they have looked at it. I don't know if they've discussed it uh, or what's taking place there. Uh, but but they'll probably get to a point at some point where they will maybe have a discussion in regards to what, what you're discussing. Or or maybe they've already gotten to that point. I'm not sure. 
but as a player, I hear exactly what you're saying. Now, Martin Hankins, this weekend as the USFL kicks off nationwide broadcasts, uh, unique in the sense that all the games are being played in Birmingham. And unlike the National Football League, albeit just for the, the, the time the short period, the first season for the USFL, your, your crew is actually going to be working two games this weekend. How do they logistically plan on playing all these games in one city in one weekend? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, <clears throat> I can tell you what, what, what we're planning to do, uh, and that's Saturday night. They'll have their opening kickoff. We're actually not scheduled to work Saturday night, uh, but there's another crew that is. So they're going to be playing four games uh, this weekend, one Saturday night, and three on Sunday, 11, 3, and 7. Uh, we're actually scheduled to work the 11 a.m. on Sunday morning and the 7 p.m. on Sunday night. So that's what our crew's doing. The other crew that's going to be in town uh, is going to work the Saturday night and the Saturday, Sunday midday game. But that's will that be standard procedure now as all the games are being played in, in Birmingham, that's two correct. games a weekend? That's correct. So there'll be, there'll be four games a weekend, and they'll bring two officiating crews in per weekend, and each of those crews will work two games apiece. And that's unique. That yeah. you That you normally work just one game a weekend. Uh, absolutely. Very unique. You know, I, I don't know of, of many officials that can say they've worked two games in one day, right? Maybe in baseball, maybe in others, but, but we're going to get a – first that I know of, of a football doubleheader in a sense. Well, with the natural progression, and with all due respect to the USFL, is it every official's dream to, to call in the National Football League, like Sarah Thomas now? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, if you're competitive in a sense, sure. and you kind of want to uh, become better at your craft, uh, you, you just keep working to get better. You try not to worry about the destination of where that may be. Uh, you just try to get better at your craft daily uh and and whatever comes to you in a sense and takes you down that path that's where you're at and you kind of enjoy where you're at enjoy the journey and wherever that may take you to that's where you're at and that would be some more mississippi blood if martin hankins and yeah. sarah thomas who's from the jackson area right yeah that's right i like sarah a lot uh sarah sarah you know i worked a season in conference usa uh, and Sarah Thomas was in Conference U at the at USA at that time, and uh, she she helped me, and so she's kind of been a mentor and and helped me along the way. We're talking to Martin Hankins, who's the Lamar County Circuit Clerk and an official in the USFL. They kick off uh, their inaugural season, part two, right uh, this weekend. So, can you stick around a minute? I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you that pertain to Kelly Sander, and I want you to put some myths to bed. Absolutely, if you can do that. I'm uh, here as long as you need. And so. you know, look at all the Conference USA flavor, Bob, in right. in the USFL with with Fedora, and you got the guy that used to coach at Houston. You got right. Um, That's right. The Louisiana Tech guy. Conference USA yeah. has flavor, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't, Conference I didn't USA know. has. A, <laughs> It's a, it's a sour taste, but uh, there is a it's flavor. A taste nonetheless. And yeah. we'll continue with Martin Hankins right after this on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. Southern Miss 
to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Welcome to the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Radio Network. Reminder, you can hear the Eagle Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Or you can just tell Alexa to play Super Talk Eagle Hour, and uh, Kelly, she'll do that for you. That no. may be the only positive response you ever get from a woman if you ask Alexa to no, play Super I, Talk it's, Eagle it's Hour. It's gotten so bad, even Alexa won't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, for their support of our program. It's a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel. They're open Monday through Saturday, and you can shop online at campusbookmark.net. We're talking to Martin Hankins, who is an official of the USFL and of the Lamar County Circuit Clerk on the side, I guess you could say. All right, now, Martin, I, w- I want you to settle something from my friend here, Kelly Sander. You got it. You're a professional football official. Explain to Kelly that officials do not pamper Tom Brady. They do not go into games wanting to make all the calls for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals. I would agree with everything you just said, Bob, right? I mean, we're there yeah. to – Kelly, you hear that? That's right. We're there. We have a job to do, and that's to to take it. care of the marquee player in the <laughs> NFL and make sure that nothing happens to him. That's I'm your job. With Kelly, on this one, I am <laughs> siding with Kelly. That is you the know. most politically correct referee statement ever given. What Martin just did. <laughs> right. We want to be there and effectively manage a job and and whatever that entails. Try to try to effectively manage and and be fair to both sides. Uh, and so, why Kelly may think that he that's not that. what the official truth is. You mean. really, when you go to a game, you really could care less who wins. That's right? correct, right? I mean, we're there to we have a job to do, uh, and that's why we're called in to do that job. And that's part of that is try to be fair to both sides. Uh, and and so, yeah, and, and you mean, know, he, you know, he was whining about the officiating at the end of the Super Bowl too. Oh, the, was he? What, yeah. what was they he didn't. They didn't throw there? any flags the whole game. There we go. And I then got with the game on the line. line with the game on the line, that little ticky-tack play, the Rams, it would have been fourth and 12. <laughs> Instead, it was first and goal because of that one ticky-tack call. All right. Of course, they don't favor the Rams, right? The Rams, they got the Rams that call. The very same Rams team me to cut his mic, that got Martin. the call against against the Saints mic. the year before. Yeah, I can cut Martin, I'm a, Martin, I'm a Saints fan. If there's anybody that has legitimate beef, it's me, and I'm not going off. Right now. <laughs> you got it. You got it. It's not hey, for real. Not too late to quit, Martin. Yes. I do want to ask you this, so that you don't have to single out one person. Who are the three most intensive coaches in the SEC on the sidelines? Who? You know, I, I, I don't know if we necessarily – I would say all of them, Lee, right? But, I mean, in all honesty, you've played the game, you know, right? I mean, what are we out there to do uh, whenever you get out there as a player and a coach? You're trying to win the game, right? Right. And Yeah, but I, who's up in your ear the loudest, though, in the SEC? You know, I, I'll say this, and I, I've shared this with people. Our coaches in our league are really respectful. I've never had one coach be disrespectful to me now they may disagree with a call and that's their right right but they always do it in a respectful manner and i've never just had one coach just be disrespectful to well well, let me just say then be glad you never called a game with big nasty jim carmody i was on the sideline with southern (laughs) miss in auburn one night when he literally 
chased the officials into the tunnel after the game was over. Oh, wow. wow. They didn't call him Big Nasty for nothing. But he wow. was not a happy camper. They should have. That yeah. night. It might have been that the game where they stood over the ball. So that, that is we exactly correct, where goal. we could not kick yeah. the winning field and, goal. And, and, and you know, exactly I, right. as a player, I've been in those games, right? I can remember Coach West where we got calls that went our way and some calls that didn't go our way uh, and, and how he handled those. And, and, and I'm sure when they didn't go our way, I've seen him act a time or two where he would get after them. Uh, but, but, but as an official now on this side of it, I can tell you, you know, uh, if I make a mistake, I'm not perfect, right? I'm human. And if I make a mistake, it gnaws on me just as bad as, as yeah. anything else. But no. now you're going into the league this weekend now, the USFL, and there's a lot of, we talked before the break, there's a lot of USF, or a lot of uh, Conference USA personnel sprinkled, you know, through the league, starting with the head coaches, Larry Fedora, Kevin Sumlin, uh, Skip Holtz, all of those guys coached. Right. You know, in Conference USA, now they're in there against each other, and a lot of Southern Miss. You know, uh, yeah. the the Texans, Julian Allen, the tight end for the Texans, is a Southern Miss guy. This should be kind of fun for you. Yeah, I, I think it really is. You know, I, I mean, when are, where else can you get game snaps in the spring, right? Uh, and so it is going to be a lot of fun in that sense. Um, it it, it kind of expands your knowledge. Uh, as far as rules, you know, we're, we're playing a sense of our own rules, some NFL rules, some college rules, all blended to make the USFL rules. Uh, so you kind of expand your growth in that sense. And plus you get exposed to, to some concepts that, that are used in professional football that you don't get in college. And so I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a yeah, lot of fun. I think it's going to be good myself. Yeah. Now, people may forget, Luke obviously remembers this, and I guess you were at Memphis at the time. During Hurricane Katrina, the University of Memphis literally took in the Southern Miss football team and shared facilities, shared yeah. training tables, shared everything. Were you there then? I was there then, and I remember that. And right, and 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 I always, um, you always, anytime uh, a school or a community goes through uh, a hurricane, uh, we should all open our arms up and embrace that community or that school or whoever it may be. Um, and, and we did the right thing there as Memphis and, and kind of opened everything up, and I'm thankful for that. Look, I I want to see USM do well in every sport here. I'm pulling for Will Hall, Scott Berry, Jay Ladner, all those guys. I live here in this community now. I'm a part of this community. My wife's a Southern Miss grad. My parents are both Southern Miss grads. And so, uh, so I you're, see little, you're sort of like the black sheep of the family. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I got it. But, but look, no, but I, you know, I, I went out and worked a scrimmage for Will Hall and those guys, and, I, and I'm really pulling for those guys. He's going to do a good job. That's right. Think? Yeah, I do. And, and I, I, I personally, I won't officiate any Southern Miss games, and that's just nothing more than I, I, I live in this community. No, uh, we can't afford you, Martin. Right. <laughs> so you, so you, do right. you have to do that? I mean, it, when you're officiating in the SEC, yep. and let's just assume an SEC team is going to play your alma mater, Memphis, do you have to yeah, pull so out of that game? I do. I, 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 I had to scratch my university, which is Memphis. Uh, I also scratched Southeastern. Uh, any head coach that okay. I played for, for example, uh, Clay Helton was my position coach. He's now the head coach at Georgia Southern, so I don't work any of his games. That's it. Uh, and, and, you know, in my role as circuit clerk down here, I, I serve the people of this county uh, and want to do that. And, I, you know, I, I just choose not to work any USM games just because I, I – I understand. I, I, I want to see the university do well as, as a person who lives in this community. Luke, I guess you remember the uh – 
adventure up in Memphis during Katrina? We uh, we ate fresh out of that uh, Memphis cafeteria three times a day. It was good food, but one of our wide receivers, one of our scout team guys named Justin Harris, apparently, I don't know whether he lost his helmet or he got left in Hattiesburg, but uh, the entire 10 days we were in Memphis, he wore a blue Memphis Tigers helmet because he didn't have another helmet to practice nice. in. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. But it was, you know, we would come in there in the mornings, we would practice Coach Bauer and, and uh, you know, uh, these other guys. Um, they would – it was in some of the places like we were getting ankles taped. The coaches were off in the corner drawing up practice. and So we would come in the morning. Memphis would give us space, and we'd be out by like 11, and they would reshuffle everything. We met in their position rooms. I mean, that, I think that – is forgotten how much the University of Memphis, who at that time was the black and blue game. They were one of our big rivals in conference. They served us so well as a university. Uh, Those were big games, weren't they? Yeah, they really were. It's funny you say that, Lee. I can still remember uh, my position coach at the time, Randy Feetner, you know, that week. This is a black and blue game, baby. This is the black and blue game. (laughs) Black and blue week. Hey, didn't uh, Rip Shearer, who used to be the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss, he was at Memphis. That's right. For a while. Sure was. Yeah. Rip Shear and, and Coach so, West came here, did he not? Tommy West, he did. Yeah. He did as the offensive coordinator. Or deep, yes, oh, yeah, yeah. And he was here for a brief period of time. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I, we should always care. You know, Memphis and Southern Miss, two competitive universities, right? But at the end of the day. Um, we were happy to open our arms up for them and, and embrace them for that that short time. Well, Martin, you've you've come a long way from your little your playing days in Dixie Youth Baseball when you were as big around as you were tall. Well, uh, <laughs> you're right about that, and I appreciate that. Fortunately, now the officiating part forces me to to have to do some of that. Yeah. So. Oh no, we all we all go. It's got to be a special guy to get elected the circuit clerk when he played for Memphis. Yeah. I mean, that says something right there. That's you, right. You must you know, have a charming personality. I, I couldn't have done it without, you know, a lot of people, but my my, my parents especially, right? So, right. Uh, hey, look, great to have you here. And, I uh, we'll, we'll be looking I'm, for you tomorrow. You're, what games are you doing? So we have the 11 a.m. game and the 7 p.m. game on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. Sunday. So if you're yeah. at home on Easter Sunday and you want to watch, we'll be on NBC and Fox Sports 1. There we go. Yeah, that's the, that's the primetime game Sunday night. That's correct. Right. All right, Mark. Martin Hankins, everybody, a USFL official, Lamar County Circuit Clerk, former Memphis quarterback. Thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm still married Thank to him, Martin, okay? Yeah, they're just still pushed, married, Martin. Well, you just pushed it off for one week. Hey, <laughs> I'm married to Southern Miss cheerleader, so it's Is okay. Right? I'm right there with you. All right, we'll be right back. More of the Eagle Hour next. Thanks. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, I want to thank Martin Hankins for joining us uh, in the first couple of segments. Great interview, interesting stuff. USFL official and former Memphis quarterback, now the uh, circuit clerk here in Lamar County. This segment sponsored 
by our good friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They'll have all the Southern Miss baseball games. They are streaming those on CUSA TV. Uh, first game at 6 o'clock tonight and a great lunch on Monday through Friday and good food all weekend at the 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, we want to get to this. Uh, Southern Miss has an eSports uh, organization within the uh, departments, and uh, these guys are doing really, really well. Uh, we've got several of them with us here this afternoon. Uh, Mr. Denny Bubrig is the faculty advisor, kind of oversees these kids. And, uh, boy, tell just a brief summary of what eSports comprises, uh, is comprised of and a, a kind of a summary of how good they're doing. Well, eSports as a whole is online, interactive, competitive gaming. So it can be one versus one. It can be two versus two. It can be as far up to as 7v7. And you see a lot of the same skill sets that you see in, in traditional sports in this gaming community, too. So think communication, teamwork, uh, leadership skills, things of that nature. And a lot of our peer institutions are starting to do work in the medical field, and they're starting to see uh, similarities between intense gaming and the traditional sports activities as well. And how long has Southern Miss had this? We are finishing up year two and a half right now, and our men and women who make up our teams have had a phenomenal You're year. You're kicking butt. Well, we've uh, last week we finished our regular seasons, and now with that – We've racked up four regular season division titles. Uh, our Overwatch team has won a postseason conference title, and we may have as many as three qualifying for national championship tournaments by the end of this month. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, Sam Sackler is with us. And, Sam, you're a member of the team. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I'm the head coach of the Overwatch team, so I – yeah, I do good. all of the, uh, like, you know, what coaches normally do, just VOD reviewing, going over with the team. I'm also a player, so that's a different aspect of it. So, you know, I work with team, like communication, that stuff, like anything you can find in normal sports we work on besides, you know, the passing the ball, that kind of stuff. And right. how do you find the players? Um, just like who's interested, that kind of stuff, you know, like who has the drive to get better at the games, not just like taking it that casual level, but who really wants to get like competitive spirit. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. finding the people I want to. Kelly wanted to know, is Donkey Kong still? I don't even, th- you guys probably haven't even heard of Donkey Kong, have you? <laughs> well, I know what it is. Let me guess, not- your grandfather played it, right? <laughs> uh, I think so. Maybe my grand- grandfather. <laughs> your great grandfather. Okay. Luke, did you play Donkey Kong? I played lots of that. Yeah, the uh, the the original one, like at Pizza Hut, you know, where you had to climb up the ladders. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like Donkey Kong Country, that was one of the ones we liked for Super Nintendo. But now, Sam, e e gaming across the country is becoming so big and so popular that uh, I mean, you've got you guys have competed against Purdue, you've competed against Stanford, a lot of these schools that that you see certainly on a much more prominent scale than Southern Miss, and you're you're doing well. They started. Kind of Bob developing a home for the esports team at Southern Miss. Only as Denny said, two and a half years in it. But but you guys have got new computer systems. Kind of tell us how the team is growing from an infrastructure standpoint. Yeah. So when we started, it was like everyone in their own computer setup, you know, by themselves. But as I'm sure you can guess, even with COVID happening, um, being all together in person as a team or as a group of people, and the university providing those facilities has been like wonderful just able to see your teammates talk to your teammates like in person is much better than like doing a zoom call doing whatever and bob it's, it's advancing to the point too and luke to where where if people go to fourth street bar and grill tonight for example you can watch conference usa tv you can see the baseball game there are streaming formats to where you can watch the golden eagle e-teams uh compete tell us more about that so. 
Yeah, so it's very similar to how ESPN works, where it's just like you have your streams for your, like your different schools stream their matches um, for their different games, like every night. I'm sure you could find one right now if you really wanted to, just looking on Twitch.tv. Twitch Twitch.tv. Let's get David here. Dave Dickert is also a, a member of the esports uh, team at Southern Miss. Dave, what's your role? I am the uh, new esports coordinator for the university. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this question, then we'll get Luke in here. Some some sports tend to be more team sports. Some sports tend to be more individual. Tennis, golf, for example. Is this a is esports? Is that a team sport or more of an individual? Well, I would say it's a team sport. You have some games and some titles where you fight against another person individually, but the mass majority of them, you have a team around you. And each person in that team performs a task that is important for the success of the overall group. All right, Luke, get in here because you're probably more uh, attuned to this than Kelly and I. Well, the way that Dave just described it, he was talking about football. I mean, you have a specific responsibility for the overall good of the team, yeah? All right, Luke. I'm, I'm excited because we're dealing with recruiting here. On the official University of Southern Mississippi eSports Twitter account, March 8th, it is with great joy that we announce we are starting to recruit for the 2022-2023 season. How does recruiting work in the world of eSports? Jenny, take that one. Well, Luke, it's actually kind of funny. Again, it's very similar to a traditional sports approach. We do school visits. We visit with recruits as they come to campus. We are part of recruiting services where students can submit their information and we can grab it. Uh, We have talked with students from uh, Washington State, Nevada, California, Omaha, Nebraska, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Literally, um, we have been gaining interest coast to coast from people uh, wanting to potentially come to USM and play for esports just in two, two and a half years. Are there scholarships? Uh, we don't have them just yet. We're working towards that right. and, and having that long term. But yes, in uh, the field, depending on the school, it could be something as small as a book scholarship. Mm-hmm. Do There are institutions out there that are offering their esports students full rides. So, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize, guys, how – Bob and Kelly, you may not know this, but, I mean, there's, like, you know, streaming channels, and they mentioned Twitch and other places. There are people out there who make tons of money because yeah, people subscribe to their channels and just watch. Yeah. I mean, this is what pops up on my Facebook feed sometimes is that somebody's beating Super Mario Brothers 3 in, like, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or yeah. something like that. I mean, and so it it there's an industry out there that a lot of people don't realize, and, and that's why right. we have – you know, like like we do. So so on campus, guys, like um, you guys that, that play a lot. What's your perfect setup? Like what what kind of chair? What kind of headset? What do you what do you rock with? Perfect setups. What like what what kind of chair do you sit in? And what's what's your perfect setup? Yeah, so you get ready to play. Yeah, I really like office chairs. A lot of people use like gaming chairs, but office chairs are just so much better. Better better lumbar support. Um, yeah. Uh, I you know have a mouse mouse pad just typical. I play on a laptop, so it's not like what most people would play on normally. But I just now, I, now you're one of these guys that's made billions. We understand. Uh, <laughs> not not quite. <laughs> I wish. Um, maybe. But tell us about. It. You said you, some kid made four million dollars. 
take that one. Yeah, Luke brought up, was talking about the industry and everything like that. When we first started researching in, I would say probably fall of 19, there was a 14-year-old in the upper northeast who had won a $5 million Fortnite tournament. And if you get somebody who is 19 to 23, 24-ish, if they can combine – and excel in good gameplay and combine that with a strong online presence, a, a good persona online, easily right now they are raking in seven figures, if not more. Now, Dave, you oversee the and, – and any time that you guys have been on the program, it's with all due respect, it's been guys. What about uh, girls participating in esports or, or you know, are they you actively seeking girls to be on the teams or how does that work? Yeah, no, even some of our players right now, you know, fall into that category. But esports is such a diverse field that mm-hmm. it's not where you have to have a team based around anyone's gender or sexual orientation, anything like that. It's if you're going to play and you want to play and you're willing to commit to the team and be a part of the team, then by all means, join up. And I know Sam actually, you know, one of his players, um, two of his players actually. So, Sam, you want to talk about that? And and the the only reason I ask that question is because when you get yeah, into Title Nine, yeah, if if we get into scholarships down the road, you know, Title Nine says you have to have as many scholarships for the women as the men. But go ahead, Sam. We've got about thirty seconds left. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's uh, we have two girls on the team. It's just kind of like like I said earlier, like what's really important is the competitive drive and like your want to improve. So well, like, just remember two words, Sam: Space Invader. Have you ever played Space Invader? Yeah. I have invaders. Have you really? Or are you just yeah, saying yeah, that? Too? Yeah, yeah. I co- I coded it in uh, high school actually to, for a project. It. There we go. Yeah, that was so. my game, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> but I so was, I was I was, killer, I was more man. I was more Mike Tyson's punch out as a little kid, oh, and then as a, a teenager, <laughs> Golden Eye on Nintendo 64. I, I'm so old. Hours. I go back to Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Remember where the, <laughs> their head would, hey guys, would pop up? Uh, we want to thank you for coming out. We're, yeah, Denny's got something he wants yeah. on the other side of the break, though, Bob. Can we yeah, give him be just cool. a minute? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hold you guys over and uh, do that, and then we'll preview tonight's game. But we're proud of you guys, and uh, we'll look forward to continuing our conversation with the eSports guys. Yay! From Southern Miss. Stay with us. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour finishing up today and for the week. We'll have a best of uh, show uh, tomorrow. Bob, we're going to be uh, replaying our interview with Will Hall recently. Correct. correct? That's right. Tomorrow's yeah. a Good Friday company holiday, and uh, we uh, we look forward to thanking him. 
Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Great place to go to get fit. Great place to go to uh, get instructed, DBAT and D1. So, Kelly Sander, during the break, um, Southern Miss uh, to the top. We've discovered that Mississippi State, uh, based off your, Kelly, your own personal investigation, uh, they don't have eSports at Mississippi State because they couldn't turn on devices. And at Ole Miss, they don't have eSports. If they did, what would they do? Oh, no, Ole Miss does, actually. They're just getting involved, but they hire somebody else to play the games. Oh, I got you. Uh, <laughs> they've they got other things to do. They've do, got, do. Do the co-op people, do they wear Sperry's as well? They, they've got the fraternity shindig going on tonight. Yeah, so. and, uh, they're waiting on electricity up in certain <laughs> But we have, a, uh, we have a special presentation yes, taking place uh, in the Southern Bancor studio. In Mr. Boobrick, go ahead. Hey, Kelly and all of you guys with Eagle Sports and Super Talk, we just appreciate you and the opportunities you've given us. And keep tabs on our social media. We'll have information about our national championship run on that. But uh, we mentioned our division championships earlier, and we bought hats, like you see, given thank out you. at a lot, of the, a lot of the sports championships. And we wanted to share some of those with you well, guys you. in appreciation for all, all the opportunities you've given thank us. You. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate thank that. And those are sharp-looking hats, too, Bob. Very kind of you. Thank you very, very Luke, much. Luke, we're going to get you yours. Yeah, we'll get yours over there to Laura T, Luke. Or, appreciate or we'll see you at the next ball game. Hey, guys, thank you very much. Uh, we're, we're 100% behind you. We'll stay in touch with you, and you're welcome on our show anytime. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Have, happy Easter. All right. All right, so eSports doing very well at Southern Miss. So is baseball, ranked 11th in the country. And, uh, Luke, they're about to, I guess, going to throw a first pitch out here in about four hours. They're in Miami. Yeah, actually, it'll be at, at uh, yeah, it's at 6 p.m. Central. Golden Eagles now, as of today, in Warren Nolan, ninth RPI. So uh, need need to win two out of three. It would be great just to get a sweep and keep that momentum. All the games uh, this week, not only on the Southern Miss Sports Network, on the radio, but on CUSA.tv. So uh, you'll be able to watch all of those. And per A.J. Ricketts yesterday, it'll be better than the Western Kentucky broadcast. Thankfully. Yeah, no so, question. Um, pretty interesting when Jack Duggan released the uh, the game notes yesterday. So we heard A.J. Ricketts yesterday talk about Patrick Pridgen, the Oregon transfer, who's probably their best pitcher. They He's now throwing Sunday. So it looks like um, Coach Melendez may be trying to, to to win on the backside. I mean, it would make more sense to me to throw him against Riggins than Waldrop or Hall. But right now, starting rotation, same for the Golden Eagles. Tanner Hall tonight, Hunter Riggins uh, tomorrow. That first pitch tomorrow will be at 5 p.m. And then Saturday, first pitch at 11. Kevin Martin throwing tonight. He's a right-hander for FIU. 0-2 with a 10.98 ERA. I saw that. But that. we just had a uh, you know a nine nine five guy shut us out for a few innings against Southeastern the other night. Um, Carlos uh, Lacueca, I think that's how we AJ pronounced his name yesterday. Throwing tomorrow, right hander one and three with a five four six ERA, and then Patrick Pridgen, sophomore righty on Sunday two and four four zero one. So no starting lefties for FIU. Just to kind of give you a little breakdown on uh, what FIU does. Pitching wise, a 6.71 ERA opponents hitting 292. Off of them as a team, they're batting 258. Uh, they got 32 home runs. They will run, okay? So they're 47 of 68 um, this year uh, on, on the base path. And just to kind of make that, Eagles are only 10 for 19. So this team will run um, quite a bit. So key to it is, is to, to get after that starting. Pitching early and often because, as uh, as we learned yesterday, not much in the bullpen for the Panthers. All right, so let me ask you, uh, uh, Luke. The Golden Eagles won against a good southeastern team. 
Tuesday night. They can, uh, am I right about this? They can go to Miami, win two out of three. They could, they could lose a game out there. But as long as they win the series, it, it really doesn't hurt uh, as we continue to move toward the postseason. I mean, the, the fact of FIU's RPI, I mean, it, it wins may – I mean, a win never hurts. But what I'm saying is this is one of those weekends where you need your other teams that you've beaten to win because a sweep or two out of three against the 227 RPI team isn't going to help you. Eagles might even get a sweep this weekend and fall some in the RPI um, based off, you know, who, who else is uh, – who else – what everybody else does that they've beaten. All right, let's go. Senator, your prediction for the weekend. And again, it's a- Oh, excuse me. Again, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday Correct. series Tonight. this week, and Later I know we night. get we get in that Sunday um, uh, frame of mind, but it is Bye. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, th- this this series honestly scares me, you guys, because mm. it's um, you know they've been rocking and rolling up to this point, and I'm I'm projecting a sweep, but I'm for Southern Miss, but I but man, these are the ones that scare you because if you go to sleep for one second, you wind they up the game's scare over. Me. You know that. Now, they all scare <laughs> yeah. Me. I think the Eagles win two out of three. I, I just think you just can't never lose a game in college baseball, but I think they'll win two of the three. Luke, your your thoughts? I'm going to say two out of three. I should say sweep, but I'm going two out of three. Old Dominion at UAB, La Tech at Marshall, Charlotte at Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky at FAU, UTSA at Rice. I wish we would sweep. I'm a little nervous because of what FIU has done. They'll score three runs, and then they'll score – 11 the next game, so I'm going two out of three. Real quick, Luke, got 30 seconds left. Your thoughts about the Easter weekend? Oh, man, what a celebration. Uh, we'll have good Friday service tomorrow, and then uh, Sunday, I thought, if, it, if it doesn't rain, we'll be outside. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is Lord. Be thankful this weekend um, for a God that loves us and gave himself for us. So uh, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a wonderful Easter with your families. This Same weekend. to you, brother. We wish you nothing but the best as well. Southern Myth to the, to the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.